Well, good morning, church. Welcome. It's good to see you today. Pastor Brady, if you were here last week, Pastor Brady spoke, and he said that this week he would be picking up the text that he left off, and he would be speaking today on the gifts of speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues, and then at the end of the week, he lost his voice and texted me and said, you're preaching. I said, thanks for nothing, Brady. So anyway... Uh, Brady, get better in Jesus' name. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll be carrying on through the text uh, that Pastor Brady opened up last week and speaking on these two gifts, speaking in tongues and the interpretation of tongues. So what I'll do is um, I'll read the text and I'll pray and we'll jump in. So hear the word of the Lord from the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth and he says to them, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. See this back and forth, this interplay, different kinds, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. And there are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, each one, I want you to hear yourself in this text. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the what? Common good. These gifts go wrong when they are to build up someone's platform or to build a brand or for someone to borrow the gifts to be great. No, to each one, these gifts are given for the common good so that everyone can be well. To one, there is a gift given through the spirit, a message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by the means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. And Pastor Brady covered those three last week. And to another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. And to another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. And that's where we'll focus today. But Paul goes on to say, all these are the work of the one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each person just as he determines. Let's pray. Lord, we need you to speak to us. We got in our cars this morning. We got ready. We, we came to this place not to be entertained. We came to this place not because we were bored. We came to this place because we believe that you're the God who speaks. And so we ask you to speak today. We ask you to make us a holy people. We ask you to build us up. We ask you to challenge us. A great theologian said that a a great sermon comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. And so, Lord, we pray that you, for those who are afflicted, that you would bring comfort. And for those of us who are settled and comfortable, Lord, stir us today by your spirit. We pray, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer, and I pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. Amen. I'm a son of David and Becky Grothy from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Tulsa is kind of the Jerusalem of Word of Faith Pentecostal charismatic movement. And, and I say that sort of jokingly, but it's, it's, it's been a circuit. It's, it's a place where people go and lots of great teaching has come out of there. And so I've been in settings that have strengthened me. And the, the work of the spirit was like, I, I think I was speaking in tongues before I was speaking in English. And like, that was just common for me. And I love, and I treasure and would never walk away from that inheritance period. And you see some wildness that has gotten off the rails when you grow up in that setting. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, at the end of this text, 12 through 14 is a section that Paul puts together. And the very last verse, verse 40 of chapter 14 says, let everything be done decently and in order. So he says, yes, the wildness of the spirit is going to break out among you and you should welcome it and don't be scared. But he says, you know, here are some rules. Here's how you gather. Here's what you do in public and here's what you don't do in public and let everything be done decently and in order. And so as a son of the the charismatic upbringing that I was raised in and grateful for, I want to talk today about these gifts of speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues. Right when I say these words, though, and sometimes even when you read a text like this, some of you, your heart starts beating a little faster. And you start kind of side-eye looking like, is this really going to happen today? Because some of you have been wounded. And so I'm just here to say to you, one, I'm sorry for those that have been hurt by gifts that were meant to be for the common good. 
So I, I repent to you on behalf of those people that have, have put you in that spot. But I also want to say it's the devil's great idea to sort of teach us to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And so let's not do that today. Let's find a middle way. We either, in, in times like this, we either overemphasize these gifts or we ignore them. And let's find the middle way today and, and open ourselves up to the gifts of the Spirit. Amen? So what I want to do is show you first where these gifts show up in the Scripture. I'll, I'll kind of rip through a quick sampling of Scriptures for you. One, Jesus has been raised and it's ascension day. He's getting ready to go to the right hand of the Father where he lives to intercede for us. And Jesus is on the mount and, and he's about to go up and there's 500 gathered in that company. Mark chapter 16, verse 17, Jesus from his own lips says, and these signs will accompany those who believe in my name, they will cast out demons and they will speak in new tongues and you'll lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Jesus says, the world that I'm going to send you into is, is going to need you to be powerful. And you'll be powerful in my name. You won't be powerful in your name. You won't be powerful in your gifting. You won't be powerful in your own personality. You won't be powerful because of your own resources. But in my name, yes, you will bump into people who have lost their minds and you'll say in Jesus' name, be made whole and they'll come back to their right mind. And you will speak in new tongues and you'll find people who are sick and the moment of the spirit will break out and you'll see them recover. Jesus says, get ready to live in power. Then you turn to Acts chapter two. Pentecost Sunday today, and this is the story of that first Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place in that upper room, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting, and they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. No, it wasn't like, oh, here are the spiritual gurus, and we'll give 20 of the 120 the power of the Spirit. On each of them, Tongues of fire came and rested on their heads. And it goes on to say, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. You turn to Acts chapter 10 and there's this like momentum from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and the uttermost bounds of the earth. And Peter is out in the uttermost bounds of the earth proclaiming the good news of Jesus. And it says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. And the Jewish believers, the insiders, who had studied and memorized Torah and knew about the Ruach of God, the wind, the breath, the Spirit of God, the insiders who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. Like no one, what you wanna see in all of these texts is that it doesn't miss anyone. Like no one is, is a second class citizen. Like everyone receives the power of the spirit. And they were all astonished that it had been poured out for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Gentiles who had just heard the good news of Jesus, all of a sudden the spirit comes and they're speaking in tongues. Last text I want you to see is Acts 19, five to seven. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and they prophesied and there were about 12 men in all. And I want you to understand that this is not something that happened in the first 50 years after the ascension of Jesus and then went silent until 1906 when William Seymour showed up at Azusa Street. Sometimes that's how we hear the story. Azusa Street was a revival that broke out and praised God for the last hundred plus years of it. But on every continent, in every tribe, in every tongue, in every language group, as you read church history, you see that the people of God have always lived in and operated in the gift of the Spirit of God. Do you know that the Pope today, Pope Francis, every Pope has a personal preacher. Imagine being the preacher for the Pope. Come on, let's just take a minute and go, wow. And then you administer the sacraments to Pope Francis. He's just a guy like us, right? And so the Pope's preacher, who has been the preacher for the last three Popes, his name is Father Rainero Cantalamesa. Some of you thought I just spoke in tongues when I said his name, Cantalamesa, Cantalamesa, Cantalamesa. No, like Father Rainero, he's an Italian, uh, Rainero Cantalamesa. And he says he's 86, 87 years old. He said, I watched the video. These young converts to the faith came and sat with them and he's teaching them and he says, and I would encourage you to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to ask the Spirit for the gift of tongues. The preacher to the Pope for 50 years. 
This is not something that's just for charismatic Pentecostals in 80921 at New Life Church North. No, the body of Christ has lived in and operated by the gifts of the Spirit. So what I want to do today is I want to say two things about the gift of speaking in tongues, and I want to say one thing about the gift of the interpretation of tongues. Are you with me? Thank you, Mom. First thing, the gift of speaking in tongues is an invitation to intercede with the Holy Spirit. The gift of speaking in tongues is an invitation to intercede with the Holy Spirit. Why does the Holy Spirit intercede? Because from Genesis 3, when we human beings took the story into our own hands, creation got fractured. Sin entered the world, and with it, chaos and confusion, and you turn to the next chapter, Genesis chapter 4, and the first set of brothers who came from the same womb, Cain rises up and strikes his brother Abel down and buries his body out in the field, and am I my brother's keeper? We see sin comes in, and then chaos and death and confusion and violence, and then you, you just keep reading, and you see creation in, in Genesis 6 through 9. You, you read about the flood. What we're meant to see is that even the actual physical creation is groaning. The language that the Apostle Paul uses for the chaos that sin induces is, is a groan. There's a groan that's been introduced into creation, and we see this every single day of our lives. You read the headlines, and you hear about an earthquake, or you hear about a famine, or you hear about a tsunami, or you hear about a bomb cyclone, or you hear about wars and rumors of wars, or you hear about people rising up against each other out in the streets, or you hear about shootings, or you hear about modern slavery, not just in the developing world, but even here on the I-25 corridor, going north and south. There are people being sold every day into slavery. Friends, creation is groaning. The world is not right. And creation is groaning, saying, come, Lord Jesus, Maranatha, come quickly and come heal and come restore. The one who was raised from the dead, only you know what to do about death and confusion and suffering and mourning and violence and shooting. Only you, Jesus, know what to do. And so creation is going, ah, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And Paul says in Romans chapter 8 that when we pray in the Spirit, I want you to see it here. He says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness because we don't know what to pray. Have you ever read the news or you've ever gotten a phone call and you just, you're, you're stultified, you're stunned, you're, you're left speechless, you have no idea what to do. And Paul says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness because we don't know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. With groanings too deep for words. He goes on to say, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Have you ever not known what to say? Heard from a lady who grew up in a church like mine, in a spiritual experience like mine, and I was protected from it. I, was, I received the good, and my parents protected me from the bad. I'm really thankful for that but she wasn't protected from it. And she was caught up in an environment where the, the one charismatic leader sort of borrowed the gifts to be great and she paid the price for it. And at 20 years old, she made an inner vow, I will never ever be in that again. And she actually left the Lord, left the faith for five or six years because of her pain. And frankly, I couldn't, I couldn't blame her hearing what she'd went through. It was a natural response. The wounding drove her away from the wounded one. <laughs> So sad. But five or six years later, she, in her mid-twenties, she came back to the faith. But she came and she picked a church that was against the gifts. You know, And again, it makes sense on paper. She, she goes over and sort of tucks herself away like, I love Jesus, and that's good, and the Bible's fine, but don't you dare put me in those settings again. But somewhere in her mid-thirties, she and her husband discovered that they weren't able to biologically have children. And so they immediately signed up for foster care. They said, we know the Lord has made us to, to take care of children. And so they signed up for foster care and they got approved and their house got inspected and all the background checks and all the stuff. Any of you who have done that, you know the process. And finally they, they get approved and they get that 2 a.m. phone call, their first 2 a.m. phone call. We have a child for you. They were so 
excited, so thankful, like we've been waiting for this. So they go to the Department of Human Services at eight in the morning and they they come and and they wanna meet their first child that they're gonna bring in and they start to hear the story. This child is the only child, five or six years old. Both mom and dad got arrested and sent to their own prisons. Five-year-old mom and dad gone for a long time. And they bring the child, strap the child in the car seat, drive home to the first safe home that this child has been in in five years of existence. And the pantry's got food in it and there's like safety and all. And this child is like trying to settle in. But a few nights in at two in the morning, this child comes in in the cover of darkness and everyone's asleep and this child is sobbing into the master bedroom. I just want my mom. Where's my mommy? Where's my mommy? And this lady who grew up in this environment but was wounded by it, who ran away from it, but then came back to Jesus but stayed as far away from it as she could, is now in her bed at 2 a.m. with this child that she met three days ago who's sobbing for his parents. And she said, I don't know what happened. I just started sobbing and praying. I tuck this kid under my arm and I'm wailing, he's wailing and I'm wailing, but I know that my wailing is like groans that are too deep for words. And I'm praying in the spirit, the thing that I made inner vows about 15 years before, it's the only move I can make in the worst time of this kid's life. And I tuck him in my arms, in my bed, under the cover of darkness, and I am just praying with the spirit. What I want you to know is that mom was interceding for that child's safety, for that child's healing, for that child's deliverance. So to pray in tongues is to be invited into interceding with the Holy Spirit because of the groan of the world. When we pray in the Spirit, we're taking the pain of the world up into the presence of God. I remember, forgive me for telling this story, I don't have permission, but I'll ask for forgiveness if I need to. But my friend Camden over here, I, it was was it last year we were out on a spiritual retreat, Jeremiah and I, his dad, and we were out in the mountains for a couple days and bad reception, almost no reception, and we're out on a hike one day and there's just enough reception and all of a sudden a phone call comes through from Nikki and, and Jeremiah picks it up and I hear Nikki, she's, she's sobbing. And she says, Camden's just been in a bike wreck. He was in a mountain bike wreck in Ute Valley and it's a compound fracture. He's just, help. Immediately, the waterworks. Jeremiah's, oh my goodness, like, because we feel the pain of our people, right? So Jeremiah topples over and he's praying and, and, and he hangs up the phone. He says, I'll be right there. We're 90 miles away. And all of a sudden, I put my hand on Jeremiah's neck and both of us, without saying a word, start praying in the spirit. Because I've known him 20 years and you can do that with a friend. And we start growing, just, oh, Lord, for Camden, Lord, save him, heal him, protect him. Lord, for Nikki, guard her mind and keep them. And something happened in that moment where a peace came. God's protection came. And, and we believe that even 90 miles away, Nikki was able to just settle in. Friends, like there are certain things, certain things that happen to us where you don't have words and all you can do is groan and intercede with the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen today, friends? And I want you to see that the Spirit wants to give us language to be able to bring the cares and the pain of creation, the groan of the world into the presence of God, which leads me to say the second thing, is that the gift of speaking in tongues provides personal release through plumbing the depths of the unconscious. The gift of speaking in tongues. So there is this one dimension of intercession for the world. We're praying over people that we love. We're going into hospital rooms and we're speaking life into that situation. So there is an intercessory role. But praying in the spirit also provides personal release for the human being through the spirit plumbing the depths of our unconscious. I'll I'll try to draw this out. I'm no artist, but I think it'll help. Here's this box right here that I'm gonna split in half. And the top half up here, it's all happy stuff. We've got a heart here, you know, you fall in love or you, you close a great deal and you make some money or you buy a new house and God provided for you and, and you can have people over and there's all this stuff where you have a little baby and, and there's a 
terrible little stick baby right there, but you get the picture. You have a baby and like, we have words for this. We go, yay, I'm so happy. Oh, she's beautiful. And how much did she weigh? And, and we, we've got language to express some of this realm of happiness. We know about the happiness stuff. Down here, we've got the valley of the shadow of death. And this is hospital rooms we never expected to go into. This is betrayal from a friend or a business owner that we thought we would finish the race with, but all of a sudden there's a separation in the middle of the story. We've got all kinds of language for, oh, it broke my heart, or, or it, it, it crushed me, or you know, I, I, I wept and I sobbed. And we, we know the high highs and we know the low lows with a limited vocabulary. And sometimes we hit sort of this moment over here where we go, if I could, if I could just articulate how much it made me happy. I, I'm not able to really access it, but I want you to know, like what you did for me, if I could only express it in words, you meant so much to me. And then down here we say stuff like, I, I just, I can't. I don't even know what to say. I, I don't, I can't. But what I wanna show you about the spirit of God, the gift of speaking in tongues, the gift of speaking in tongues gives us this sort of linguistic world to inhabit that we don't have access to. Uh, praying in tongues is the Holy Spirit's invitation into a language that accounts for more than we can ever humanly say. There is this realm out here, because life, let's just be honest, life doesn't fit inside the box. Right? We all have these moments where we know that there is no language to say, like I, I don't have access to, but praying in the spirit and groaning with the spirit about the difficulties of life or even about the joy of life. We can't say it all in a human language. And the spirit wants to give us the capacity to feel and to emote. When we were out on, on that hike with Jeremiah and, and we got the terrible phone call about Camden and we started praying in the spirit, the spirit gave us access to a realm that we didn't have access to. I couldn't talk Jeremiah through what was going on. All I could do was look him in the eyes and sob with him and groan in the spirit and ask the spirit to be the one that comforts his, one of his greatest gifts on the planet. In that moment, thank God in the mountains, we had access to a realm of our emotions that we wouldn't have otherwise had access to. My friend uh, came over, well, I'll tell you just a little bit more of the story. We moved into a house in Rockrimmon eight years ago and we like to be good neighbors. So day one, we make some cookies, we go over and we're on this little circle and we shared a backyard with four other families and one family right next to us we wanted to get to know them. We have little kids and, and someone told us to stay out of Mr. Bob's yard. We're like, oh, that's great news to know. Like the first thing we hear about the stay out of Mr. Bob's yard. So Lisa goes over and introduces herself to Mr. Bob in the driveway and says, hi, Mr. Bob, we're so-and-so, we just moved here. He said, I heard. <laughs> and walked into his garage. We told the kids, kids, this is gonna be the long play. You just gotta like move slowly with Mr. Bob and just keep being decent and help where you can. He was in his 70s. And finally, a couple years in, we broke through and Mr. Bob and his bride loved us. One night we saw an ambulance, it was 2 a.m. and the lights came flashing and it woke Lisa and I up and the ambulance came right next door to Mr. Bob's house and to Miss Sissy's house, Bob and Sissy. And we run over what's going on and Bob gets rushed to the hospital and two weeks later an ambulance comes. Bob gets taken to the hospital again and it turns out Mr. Bob is like on his deathbed now. And so we're taking care of Sissy and checking in and one night we're in the backyard with our three little kids. It was eight o'clock on a summer night and we were ready to go to bed with our little kids. And Sissy comes into our backyard, our shared backyard and she goes, you two, pointing at me and Lisa, you two get in my house right now. We're sitting at the fire pit with our little kids and we don't have a babysitter over it. She goes, you're not negotiating with Sissy in this moment. You two get in my house right now. So we put our kids on our master bed, put on a show and we said, don't do anything for two hours. And we went over to Sissy's house and she goes, okay, two years ago when you moved in, we heard you were Christians and we heard you were a pastor and that really freaked us out. But you've been pretty decent for two years. She said, Tell me about this Jesus thing. Bob is in his master bedroom laying on his deathbed. 
And she comes out and she sits us down on her couch and she sits on the floor right in front of us and tell me about this Jesus. And we go, okay, so like, what do you wanna know? So we're starting from scratch here. And so we're starting to tell the story and she goes, yeah, you know, like some of those people out there, they pray in tongues. And she goes, but of course you don't pray in tongues. And I sat quietly and she goes, you do? Do it, pray right now, pray in tongues right now, pray. And I was like, sissy, come on, that's not how you do it, you know? But she started telling us her story and her story was she was a little girl, she was the oldest of five kids and her parents took her and her five siblings to church every day and when she was eight years old, her dad got arrested for fraud. The next Sunday, mom and five kids came to church and someone met them at the door and said, you're not welcome here anymore. And in their time of greatest need, The people who were supposed to be the hospitable ones said, you're not welcome here anymore. And from eight years old, she made an inner vow that I will never follow Jesus again. And in her mid sixties, some people move in next door and she brings us in her house. And that night, Lisa, I'm telling you, the spirit of the Lord broke out in a way. Sissy has got her husband on his deathbed in their bedroom. And she's hearing, she's telling us about her pain as a child. And at the end of the night, we're praying and the Holy Spirit pours out on that house. And Lisa's laying hands on the, the bedroom door where Bob is in there behind the door on his deathbed saying, spirit of God, we pray your blessing over Mr. Bob. And would you rejuvenate? him and he ended up living another year after that but in that night sissy got access to space in her soul that had been closed up for years as we were praying over her and interceding with her she was it it, it sort of plumbed the depths of her emotions there was a release there was a healing she was sobbing and sometimes you're going I don't know how to pray in tongues I'll just say pay attention to your emotions There will be times where tears open up and you go, I don't even know what this is. The spirit is opening something up in you. And so lean into that. Don't run away from that. Let the spirit pray in and through you. But friends, what happens is the world closes us up and wants to make us think that we can just live right in here. But life happens out here and the spirit wants to give us life and release and blessing and peace, even in these subconscious and unconscious spaces. Can you say amen today, church? Dr. Anthony Thistleton, a great New Testament theologian, he's an Anglican from England, didn't grow up in this kind of environment and has studied the scriptures. He's one of the foremost New Testament theologians on the planet. And he said, insight, feeling, or longing at the deepest level of the heart, it needs an outlet. It needs to be released and the Holy Spirit gives the capacity to plumb the depths of the unconscious as the Spirit's gift. I'll say one more story. And then we'll shift to the final gift. Mother Emmanuel, African Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston, South Carolina, 2015. It was a Wednesday morning. This is the most iconic black church in South Carolina. It was one of the first, I think it opened in 1810, one of the first where they were actually permitted to leave their plantations and go gather together. And so this place is an iconic black church. And on a Wednesday morning in 2015, There were nine people in the church having a Bible study. Someone knocked at the door and they went to the door and they opened it and it was a a young man, 22 years old, white guy, Dylan Roof. And Dylan said, "Uh, can I come in? And they said, yeah, what are you doing? We're studying the Bible, can I join you? Of course, they pull up a chair in the circle and, and he sits with them for an hour in the Bible study as they show hospitality to him and welcome him in and and say, welcome to the presence of the Lord, welcome into our church building. I'm sure there were prayers being prayed and at the end of that time, he pulls out a gun and kills all nine of them. You remember this story? Charleston, South Carolina, Mother Emmanuel. And Dylan is in the courtroom on the final day of his hearing as the judge is about to strike the gavel to close on his life sentence and the, family who lost, the families who lost their loved ones, all nine of them, were in the courtroom that day and the judge says before anything else happens and before we're done here today, you need to have permission to say to him whatever you want to say. And all nine of these families, one after one, one after the other got up and one stood at the podium and said, you changed our lives forever. You took our most precious gift. You took our mother from us. She was studying the Bible. And you took our mother. But you know what? 
We pray that the God who forgives sins will have mercy on your soul. And we pray that the spirit of God would haunt you in your cell. And we pray that God would win you over for his kingdom. And right now you tried to destroy our lives and we pray that God would redeem yours. Friends, I've listened to the video, I've watched it. And in that courtroom, there were people behind each family as they were at the podium speaking to the murderer. There were people in the courtroom sobbing and praying in tongues. Oh Lord, oh, you just heard the wailing and the guttural groans, groans that are too deep for words. And I'll tell you right now, in one sense, they were interceding. They were interceding for Dylan, for his salvation, but they were also, the spirit was plumbing the depths of their emotions that had been untouched. And in that moment, somehow, some way, as they were praying in the spirit and extending mercy, God was touching every realm of their being and God was letting his spirit minister to them in ways only the spirit of God can. And friends, I'll just say, I don't know how we can function without the spirit having access to all of us. The invitation is here today. It's on the table for all of us. The last thing I wanna say about the gift of interpretation of tongues is that the gift of interpretation, the articulation of tongues, it creates corporate clarity through anointed articulation. I had this image of the articulation of tongues and the interpretation of tongues is that in a worship service, someone stands up and gives a tongue and then someone in the back here kind of responds. And that's like the one way that it could happen. And I've seen that happen before and that is a part of it, but it's not, it's not even nearly all of it. I want to reframe this gift for us today. The gift, the articulation of tongues creates corporate clarity through anointed articulation. There are times in every human being's life. There are times in every family's existence. There are times in the life of every church where you just don't know what to say or what to do. It was was New Life Church many years ago when Pastor Brady stood up here on a really terrible Wednesday night after we had lost, because of violence on our campus, lost people here. And Pastor Brady stood up and, and the spirit of the Lord filled him. And the first words that came out of Pastor Brady's mouth on that Wednesday night were, we will not be governed by fear. And something shifted in our church's environment. At a critical moment when we could have quit, when we could have mailed it in, we could have thrown in the towel, we could have tucked our tails and walked away and said, well, we just, you know, it's kind of difficult following Jesus. Pastor Brady was filled with the spirit and he articulated something and gave corporate clarity through anointed articulation. We will not be governed by fear. What is it that makes certain speeches in history rise above all the other ones? Like, why do we remember the Gettysburg Address? Or why do we remember, I have a dream? Because I've listened to every single sermon or lecture that Dr. Martin Luther King has given that's available. I'm sort of a junkie. I've gone down that rabbit hole and I've studied it and I've paid attention through the years. I'm a student of that work and of that movement and of the body of work that he, he put out in 39 short years. But why do we remember I have a dream? I'll I'll say this to you. It's because I think on August 28th, 1963, on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was not just rising up with a nice little one-off cheap communication. He didn't mail it in for that. Like he spent his, his weeks and his months and his really his life leading up to that moment. And he'd been living in the groan of his people. He'd experienced the groan himself. His, his own home was bombed with their four little kids on Christmas Day, and thankfully they survived, but, but he was feeling the screws being tightened on his life for standing up and saying, let my people go. But Dr. Martin Luther King, he was living in his own groan, but he was living in the centuries-long groan of his people, and he'd heard, heard the groans that were too deep for words. He had heard about the stories of the slaves in the South. He'd heard about the ships coming from Africa or from, or from England, and he'd heard all about this, and, and the groan of his people had sort of come together to this, to this moment of catalytic clarity, and he stands up on August 28, 1963, on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. Think about the the the, the imagery going on here and he says I have a dream let freedom ring let freedom ring let freedom ring come on America rise up to your vows rise up to your commitment let freedom ring and I have a dream that all God's children black men and white men and and he goes on to say not the color of their skin but the content of their character and we're here today still living in the reverberation of that why because it was the articulation of a tongue that gave corporate clarity 
through anointed articulation. Friends, he had been carrying the groan in the secret place and in the prayer closet. And on this one climactic day, he stands and says, thus saith the Lord, there will be equality and there will be freedom and there will be liberty and a new day will dawn for all of God's children because we're all made in the image of God. Friends, there's something about praying in the spirit that gives us access to the spaces out here that the simple little neat box of life that we want to live in doesn't allow us to live in. And you go from this place and then you stand in front of people with a composure of soul and with a clarity of spirit and with a fearlessness that might even get you killed. And you say, I have a dream. Friends, the world is waiting for the church to burn with the power of the spirit. The world is waiting for the people. We cannot afford to be a precious people of God. It's like the stakes are too high and that ship sailed long ago. We either rise with the power of the spirit. We either rise as a full on human being who has plumbed the depths by the spirit of God. And then we step out into the public space with a word that will change the world. Friends, this is available to all of us. This is not the work of spiritual ringers. This is not the work of of the pros. This is not the people who have masters of divinity. This is the people, this is the people rising up, living in the prayer closet, and then rising up and saying, I have a dream, or thus saith the Lord, or let my people go. And imagine a world with a church that's ready to live like this. Imagine a world with a church that is fully human. Imagine a world with a church that has committed itself to intercessory prayer. Imagine a world with composure and clarity when everybody else doesn't know what to do. The people of God rise up and go, thus saith the Lord. This is on the table for all of us. And anything less than this might just be mailing it in. So here's what I wanna say today. I I wanna say this, there's two things. You go, how do I live in light of these gifts? Okay, they're in the Bible, and I think you've made a decent case for them today. How do I live in light of these gifts? One, I'll just say welcome the full scope of the Spirit's work in every season and every situation. Some of us are living, screening out the Holy Spirit of God because of the pain we've experienced, and we want to hedge our bets, and we want to make sure we never get hurt again, like our friend who got wounded in her 20s, and it took till 35 till something opened back up. Many of us have experienced pain, and so now we're sort of circling up the wagons, and we want a safe Christianity. I'm just saying there is no safe Christianity. It's all of our chips on the table. So Welcome the full scope of the Holy Spirit in every season and in every situation. Some of you, you've known this life before, but the gifts have fallen into disuse. You remember being the teenager on fire for the Lord, ready to go to the nations and ready to give everything you owned. And then you grew up and you got a mortgage and life got difficult and you felt betrayal and and it's complex and you have a business and you have to decide if you can keep people on. and, And I get it, life stacks up, but what happens is the debris ends up cluttering the space of our hearts and the gifts fall into disuse. If if that's you today, I'm saying, please, would you wake back up? Would you say, come Holy Spirit, and I welcome you to work in me in whatever ways you desire. Some of you, it's not disuse, it's just you you were taught that it was wrong or that it wasn't possible or that that ended with the death of the last apostle. If that's you, I just invite you today to be a seeker, to search, to press in, to open yourself up, to say, come Holy Spirit and, and lead me on a journey of discovery. Wherever you are, welcome the full scope of the Spirit's work in every season and every situation. Second thing, as we close and as the band comes, I wanna say welcome wise friends and good guides that can help you grow in the life of the Spirit. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. He's not writing to some lone rangers who are really gifted. He's not writing to one person. He's writing to the body of Christ. And, And the body of Christ, we have many different gifts all as a part of one body. And so open yourself up to people who have history with the Spirit people who can lay hands on you and speak life over you, people who've walked the long decades of faithfulness with God who can be trusted with a moment like that. Welcome in wise friends and good guides on this journey. And let's all live our lives saying, come Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me today, church?
We're going to receive communion here in just a minute. But this is a moment of response. This is a moment where we take what we have heard and we say, okay, Lord, my life is yours. I'm living for you. I want nothing more than the full scope of your spirit's work. So would you close your eyes and maybe just open your hands there as a sign of receptivity, of openness. I'm, I'm willing. I'm not closed off. I'm open. We say, come Holy Spirit. Would you just begin to say, come Holy Spirit. This is an Acts chapter two kind of moment on the day of Pentecost. They were waiting. They were waiting on the Lord and all of a sudden the spirit rushes in. So Lord, in this moment of waiting, I pray that you would come with the breeze of your spirit and bring life. I come for those who are being called deeper into a life of intercession today. And Lord, I pray that you would make us here at New Life Church a people of deep intercession. People who know how to carry the wounds and the pain of the world into the presence of God. Make us an intercessory church. Come Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray for those today who have been wounded, who are carrying a memory in their soul that has sort of turned sideways and become a log jam in their being. And the life of the Spirit has been stuck. And I pray today that you would clear the way, that you would bring life, Lord, that you'd bring a clear flow of, of the water of the Spirit. Lord, I pray, come Holy Spirit and heal us to the depths of our being. And Lord, make us a people of corporate clarity through anointed articulation. I pray for parents who are trying to talk to prodigals right now, that you would give them a thus saith the Lord kind of moment, that you give them a word that breaks through the noise, a word that's like an arrow that pierces the heart and wakes them back up. Lord, I pray that you would make us a people of proclamation. All of us have words that we need to give to the world so that the world can experience the life again. So Lord, anoint us, corporate clarity through anointed articulation. Lord, we pray, do that in us by the power of your spirit. And all God's people said, let's worship the Lord and we'll receive communion in just a minute.
friends, the Holy Spirit is here. Can you feel that? And as we receive communion today, I sense that there will be miracles breaking out in the room. Stuff that's just the Lord's work. It's, 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 we don't have access to it. It's just the Spirit's work. And so I want you to carry your pain into the presence of the Lord right now. Stuff that scares you. Stuff that's broken your heart, the betrayal. The fear about what the economy is going to do. Sadness about one of your children walking away. Would you bring your pain into the presence of the Lord right now and let Jesus give you a meal? (laughs) Exchange your pain and your fear for a meal. The broken body, for the shed blood, for the cup of wine that brings renewal. So Spirit of God, fall on us. Fall on us. Fall on us. Some people are going to get their tears back for the first time in years. You're going to be able to cry again and feel again and access to your emotions again. Crippling fear is going to be broken off many today. Anxiety that has haunted you. Be free in Jesus' name today. Bitterness and hatred over an offense is dying today. Let it go. In Jesus' name. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. Would you break that little wafer in your hands? Imagine yourself at the table of the Lord. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And every time you do this, remember me, friends, Jesus is here today by his spirit to feed you, to renew you, to strengthen you so you may receive the bread, the strength of Jesus. On the same night he was betrayed, he took the cup of wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant given in my blood and it's given for the remission of your sins. Friends, you're clean today. Not by anything we've done because Jesus is crazy about us. You're clean today. You're fresh today. You're new today. There's renewal today. There's a fresh start. So you may receive the cup today, the forgiveness of your sins. Fall on us. Oh, breath of God, come on. right kind of ways would be a day you never recover from. (laughs) That you'd walk different. That you'd carry the presence of the Spirit differently. That you'd step into your job differently. That you would be a neighbor differently. That you would parent differently. That you would lead a business differently. Lord, I pray 
Would you make us intercessors for the world? I pray that you'd heal us to the deepest places and give us clarity, Lord. I pray, Lord, bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his bright, smiling countenance upon you and all of your people, and may he grant you peace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. Can we give God thanks for what he's done here today? Beautiful time in the house of the Lord. I want to invite our prayer team to come down. If any of you are needing extended prayer about any issues, any needs, we would love to agree with you. Go from here today in God's grace and peace. So much love. Love you. Good job, brother. Love you, brother.